Well, good morning, church. Let's stand together to worship. Sing, you give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Sing that again. You give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Great are you, you know what? You give life. You give life. You love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope and you restore. You restore every heart that is broken. And your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our In our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Sing all the earth. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, 
All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we
build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you. there's freedom in Jesus this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord oh your presence Lord so there's nothing worth more and there's nothing worth more that will ever come close Nothing can compare Cause you're our living hope Oh, your presence, Lord And I've tasted and seen Of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and there's no shame and my shame is undone oh in your presence Lord come on all over this place make this your prayer Holy 
Spirit, you are welcome. Here, come flood, come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Oh, your presence, Lord. Oh, we long for your presence. Your presence, Lord. Let us become. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness, Lord. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Oh, your presence, Lord. Lord, let this become our prayer this morning. That we know if we're believers, we have the Holy Spirit. But I pray that you will flood us this morning with your love, with your power. Remind us of our first love this morning. Help us become more aware of your presence in our lives every day. Help us strike up those conversations 
and have the boldness to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. How many people are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? How many people are glad to be in a place where you know that you can experience liberty and freedom because of what Christ did for us? We're so glad that you're here this morning. We are so glad that you have allowed us to speak into your life, and we look forward to what God's going to speak to us. Can you give him a hand, hand clap of praise before you see him? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I uh, want to um, uh, tell you about something that we have going on that we mentioned last week. Um, we are, uh, school is upon us, and uh, we know that everybody's trying to get those last-minute vacations in, and uh, we're so thankful for technology. Uh, I've gotten messages uh, from people. Um, uh, I know some people uh, may be at the beach watching us right now. Uh, we don't hate you. Uh, we're envious. And uh, we miss you, but we're glad you, you can watch. Um, I got a message from somebody uh, that said they were watching from Pennsylvania. Now, I can promise you, uh, I don't envy them uh, like I do the people at the beach. Uh, but we are glad that uh, they're able to watch. And uh, we're so thankful for that we've been able to get time away. And uh, But... Summer's coming to an end, and with that, we know that school is coming to a start. And um, we have uh, received names from the Outreach Center here in Ashland, uh, and we're going to bless some families. Uh, how many people know that going back to school is expensive? How many people know that most likely those clothes that your kids had at the end of last school year, uh, they don't fit right now? Uh, their feet keep growing, and so every year it seems like it's just a financial burden and uh, on so many people. And so we are going to, we're doing a back-to-school outreach, and with that we're going to be bringing some uh, children in, kids in, students in, uh, giving them free haircuts. Uh, we're going to bless them with their um, supplies that they need for school, uh, backpack, and also uh, a new outfit and shoes. And so what we're asking uh, for your help is just uh, donating toward the cause. And uh, we uh, have already received some money come in, and uh, we're going to be doing this. And you can do that by going online uh, to thegate.life and uh, select the giving option. And in the drop down, there's a thing that says back to school. And uh, you can do that. You can also grab an envelope and put it in the, uh, the boxes that we have at the back uh, where we collect the offering. Or uh, you can uh, just hand it to my wife and tell her this is what it's for. Now, don't give it to me. Uh, because what will happen is it will go in my coat pocket, and then the next time I wear this coat, in probably you know four or five weeks, uh, I'll pull in and I'll pull it out and say, "Man, God just gave me some money," and uh, or you'll be calling me saying, "How come my check hasn't cleared?" And then I'll have to remember what I did with it. So uh, if you just want to hand it to somebody, hand it to my wife, and she will uh, take care of it. She uh, she does that for me. But we're looking forward to be able to bless these kids and these students, knowing that, uh, that we're being a blessing and doing what God's called us to do. I want to thank you for your continual giving. Uh, it allows us to do things like this, and uh, uh, we have a lot of stuff coming up. Um, the next thing I'll make you aware of is September the 12th, uh, which is uh, every year we've, uh, since I believe since Gateway started back in 2006, we had done a game day, uh, which is the beginning of football season, and, and we do a cookout and uh, after service, and um, we do uh, cornhole, all kinds of stuff like that, and uh, we didn't get to do it last year, 
And so we are planning on doing that again this year, and it's September 12th. It'll be after the second service. Now, I told those in the first service, uh, they were thinking, well, it's after the second service. What are we going to do? And uh, I said, well, you can come to the first service like you normally do, and then you can help set up. So now if you come to the second service, uh, you could really be a blessing that morning by coming early and uh, helping them set up before second service. And uh, there's so much to be done. And, uh, but when we started two services, uh, one of the big things that we knew we had to do was be able to do things as a church. Because what happens is, is I get people all the time that come to first service and say, is so-and-so still coming to our church? I'm like, yeah, they're every week. Uh, but they come to second service. And the uh, same thing with second service and first service. Uh, and the only way that we combat that is is that we do things like this as a church. So if you come on September 12th, you may see some faces you haven't seen since the beginning of COVID. And uh, you might think, oh, you still go to our church. Uh, but it's an exciting time, and uh, we just have a good time. You can wear game jerseys or whatever you uh, choose to wear on that day. Uh, you can wear game jerseys any day as far as I'm concerned. Um, but we're just ready to get together. And uh, so that's September 12th. Put it on your calendars. All your vacations should be over by then, and uh, we'll get together as a church. Uh, last week, we um, began a, or last week, we had a powerful move of God in both services. Uh, first service, we had people in the altar. Second service, we had people in the altar. And, and people experienced life-changing moments. Uh, people uh, made the decision to allow God to turn the page in their life. We talked how that so often uh, we get stuck on a chapter and, and we keep rereading it over and over and over again and, and we never turn the page to the next chapter. And some people made the decision last week to turn the page. Now, uh, I could guarantee for those who took a step out last week and said, I'm going to turn the page, I can almost guarantee that this week at some point, at some level, the enemy came and said, uh, you need to turn the page back and, uh, because that's his job. That's what he does. Even when you decide to turn the page, there's going to be those moments that, that you're tempted to go back and reread what you've been reading uh, previously. And I want you to know that that's normal. But what you have to do is just you keep pressing. You, you just keep turning the page. Keep taking one step at a time. Uh, and allowing God to continue to breathe into your life. And um, this morning, uh, you notice we just had acoustic and, and everything sort of just... Uh, scaled back, and, and, and it worked out perfect because I want to share my heart with you for a, a few minutes. And uh, this is, if there's ever been a pastoral message, uh, that's what this morning is. Uh, over the last few months, God has been dealing with me uh, about the lost. He's been dealing with me about doing ministry. And, uh, you know, we took two weeks and talked about Luke chapter 15 and, and the parables that Jesus told of the, of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. And uh, this morning, I want to share a little bit more on ministry. Uh, I believe that, that God's been dealing with me that it's time that we as a church take the next step. And in order for us to do that, we have to understand this passage of Scripture. And that passage of Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 14, verses, or, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, when it says, You are the world's light. A city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your Heavenly Father. As a church, we have to believe and we have to know that the church does not exist for us. We exist for the world. And the sad part of that is, as a survey was done not too long ago, 
And over 80% of Christians do not see it that way. Over 80% of Christians feel as if that the church exists so that we can come in and shake hands and have fellowship and uh, worship and, and that we can leave. But that's not why the church exists. Isaiah put it this way in chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, when he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And when we read this in Isaiah chapter 60, what is being said is, is that God wants to anoint you. God wants to put His presence and His power in you. God wants you to see yourself as part of the solution. You see, the world is in chaos. Every time that we turn around, there's something else that's happening. The world is in chaos. And the, the reality is, is that the world is in chaos because when things start to happen, the world has things that they consider the solution. And the solution just continues to add to the chaos. Christians have bought into the concept of clergy and laymen. And it's not biblical. When you really look at it, the word clergy is, was just, they gave that title to someone who could read. And because they could read, and they could read the scriptures because not everyone was educated. But what we know when we read the Bible, when we begin to study, we know that God wants His glory to rise in each of us. When you look at me this morning, or you look at Pastor Nick, you're not seeing the only minister. We're not the only ministers in this church. You are just as much a minister as we are. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You see, ministry, and a minister is not just someone who goes to seminary. In the Bible, when, you, when they talk about ministry and they talk about a minister, what it actually means is those who bring aid to the hurting. You don't have to go to seminary to bring aid to the hurting. You don't have to go to seminary to be a light in a dark world. And God wants the church, us as a church, to arise, to shine. He wants His anointing to be with you and on you. You see, darkness is covering this earth. And the only way that that's going to change is one way. And it's by us being the light. But in order to do that, you have to understand that you're a minister. You're a minister. Say it to yourself. I'm a minister. You didn't know that I was going to ordain you this morning, right? You're a minister. And not only are you just a minister, but you have a specific purpose. You have gifts and abilities. Things that God has gifted you with. When we were remodeling this church, it, was, it took us nine months just to get in. And we're still working, trying to get it to where it needs to be. But when we were remodeling this church, uh, we were quickly 
able to identify those who had special gifts and abilities. We had people that could use a nail gun. We had some people who could put up drywall. We had some people that could help with mudding. Some could paint. Some said they could paint, but they couldn't paint. We had some that were really good at tearing things up. So we put Jerry on demolition. But we were quickly able to realize and and understand that certain people had certain gifts. Now, my job was the errand boy. Now, I thought it was just because, you know, I was the one that had the, the church card and, and uh, you know, I had a car and, 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 and a van that could haul stuff. And, and I thought that was the reason, but I'm beginning to be a little suspicious of that. I think I was the errand boy so that I would be out of the way. I think I was the errand boy so that I wouldn't be able to get a hold of anything that had power, a power tool. I would always tell them, I worked in hardware at Sears when I was a teenager. Um, That didn't help me. I also worked in paint. That didn't help me either. But people had specific abilities. And we could identify those abilities. And we would use those abilities to make our remodeling efficient. My father-in-law tells a story. Uh, the church that he used to pastor. If you know my father-in-law, he's a perfectionist and he's good at everything he does. And um, so he was working on remodeling the church. And he had this guy and said, "Yes, I can. I can mud. I can mud drywall." And my father looked at him and said, "Great, start in the closet." And he did that because he wanted to really see. And um, needless to say, that guy was running errands the next day. But we were able to identify. And and, and as a church, we can become more efficient. So when we start looking at volunteers, when we start looking at you being a, a minister and doing ministry, we want you to be involved in something with your specific purpose. There was another survey done that said 87% of the church, 87% of Christians do not know what their purpose is. Now when you begin to think about that, we're described as the body of Christ. So we think about that, and what if 87% of our parts didn't know their purpose? We wouldn't be able to function. We wouldn't be able to live. But for some reason, as a church, we try to function that way. We have to understand and realize that we have a purpose, and we have to identify that purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does that scripture tell me? It tells me that God didn't create you and then say, okay, I think you would be good at this. No, what that scripture says was, there was something created for you to do before you were created. The Bible says that when you were in your mother's womb, that God knew you, that he had a plan and a purpose for you. And he's placed in you specific abilities and gifts. He had a purpose for you. Your design determines your destiny. If you want to reach your destiny, you have to figure out how you were designed. You have to figure out your purpose and your reason and your calling. It's so easy when you 
come into a, a building like this and you come into a group of people, it, it's so easy to think that you're just one in a million. It's so easy to think that, that you're just one in, in a group of people. But in reality, you're not. You're one of a kind. Not too long ago, we were explaining fingerprints. And we told our daughter, you know, everyone has a different fingerprint. What does that mean? That means that each one of us are different. We're one of a kind. We have a purpose. We have a, a reason. We have a destiny. And the way that you're designed helps you reach that destiny. You're a minister. You're called by God. You're called to help bring healing to people. You have a specific role, a specific purpose. And we have to understand that now is the time. Now is the time. Of all the times in history, God lets you live here and now. It's easy when you start watching the news and uh, listening to the news or reading the news. Or, uh, and Facebook's not always the news, okay? I'll just throw that out there. There is some fake news out there. But when you begin to read the news, it's easy to interpret it the wrong way. Because I'll be honest, and if you're like me, there are times that I listen to the news or, or I see something come across the news feed, and, and when I'm reading it, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is I just want to run and hide. Just give me a cabin somewhere, away from everybody, and just let me hang on until Jesus comes. Anybody ever felt that way? Let's just be honest. I'm just going to hang on until Jesus comes. Because it can be discouraging. But the reality is, is that when we see the news, and we see the chaos that's in the world, it should excite us. You say, Pastor, have you lost your mind? It's not exciting. No, it should excite us because we should be thanking God that we get to be alive in the middle of this chaos with the only answer. How many can remember being in school and the teacher would ask a hard question? And it was something that you studied and that you knew. And you raised your hand and you were the only person in the room that knew the answer. Anybody, anybody ever, any smart people in here? Let's not lie. I know there's, yes, I, I could point you out. Because you've got it written all over your face. But it felt so good. Because here was this difficult problem. This difficult thing. And, and, and you knew the answer. And you raised your hand proudly because you knew the answer. The same thing can be said when we look at all the chaos in the world. Is it difficult? Yes, it's a difficult situation. There are difficult issues. But instead of running and hiding, we should be thanking God that He has placed us here, living here with the only solution. The solution is not found in, 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 a, in a political party. The solution is not found in anything else. The solution is found in Jesus. And we have the answer. So instead of sitting around worrying about the world, the challenge is, is to realize that we have the answer and to go do something about it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That was true when this was written. 
And it's true today. And it says you have to be wise. We have to understand that the time is now. The time to make a difference is now. We can't put it off any longer. Acts 17, 26 says this, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. He said he marked them out. Your time in history. So when you look at yourself, when you look in the mirror, you need to be able to say, I'm a minister with a specific purpose at an opportune time to make a difference, to make an eternal difference. You see, not all good deeds are the same. If we feed the whole world and don't lead them to Jesus, we lose. If you feed the whole world and they go to hell, we lose. You see, because we're not just here to do good. There's a lot of agencies and a lot of programs that do good. But we're here to do good in Jesus' name. We're here to do good to show people not only that we love them, but that God loves them. And we have to understand and realize that we have to make an eternal difference. Because if we feed them, if we clothe them, if we provide for their needs, all we're doing is fixing a temporary problem with a temporary solution. But we have to know that we have the eternal solution. And the only way that we can give them that is realizing that we are a minister, that we have specific gifts. We're called at an opportune time, to make an eternal difference. We have to understand that we're here to help populate heaven. We're here to help people in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. What's that saying? That's saying that, that we can do things here on earth, and we can show people that we love them, but in the end, it matters if they know God. It matters if we can redirect what we do and direct it toward making eternal difference. I'm a minister with a specific purpose at an opportune time to make an eternal difference. And I don't care where you are in life. I don't care where you are on your spiritual journey. This is where God wants to bring you to. He wants you to, to come to the, the time where you can repeat this statement and believe it. God wants to take you on a spiritual journey where this can become a reality. And when we initially planted Gateway, we designed this church to help you do that. The church is not just a place that we go on a Sunday. To be honest, I can't live thinking like that. I can't think that, that, that I can't stand to, to think that this is all we're working for. When God said there's a bunch of darkness and He says, I need you to shine. When God is looking at us and saying, where are you? 
Where are you? You have the answer. And knowing that we have the answer, we can't be silent. But it can't just happen with just one person. You have to see yourself as a minister. You say, well, pastor, how do I do that? First of all, you have to know God. Because if if you don't know God, if you haven't accepted Him as, as the Lord of your life, then you don't have that light. You're part of the darkness. So the first way to, to be a minister is you have to know God. And then you have to find freedom. Because you can, you can come to an altar and you can pray. You can ask God into your life. But there's still going to be those things that try to bind you. Those things that try to keep you from your destiny. So once you know God, then you have to find freedom. And then you need to discover your purpose. And then once you do that, you have to say, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do something somewhere I'm going to use what I'm good at to make a difference. You see, it's not just some people's job. uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. It's so easy just to blow right through that. But what that says is, is that God gave ministers to the church. And the minister's responsibility, the pastors, the prophets, the teachers, their responsibility is to equip you. So in other words, if I'm not equipping you, then I'm not fulfilling my purpose as pastor. My role was to to help you reach your purpose. Discover your purpose. And your ministry can be found in your gifts and passions. In other words, take what you're good at and turn it into ministry. There's some of you sitting here today and you think, well, pastor, I'm not good at anything. It's not true. God created you with a specific reason, a specific purpose, with specific gifts and specific abilities. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8 says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, you have a gift. Whatever it is, do it. Do it. Be a minister. The word gift in the Greek is actually charis. And it's actually where we get the word charismatic. Now, growing up, I I thought that the word charismatic just meant somebody who was wild in church. Anybody grow up like that? Those people were just too charismatic for me. Look at them. That's not really what it meant. What it means is, is, is that it's someone who has a divine ability from God. In this passage of Scripture, Paul says that we all have different gifts. And you have to find your gifts and your passion. Let me be honest. If this church just looked like me, then there's a lot of things that we do that we wouldn't be doing. I'll tell you something that may surprise you it may even disappoint you but when i'm thinking about ministry i'm not thinking about people in need i think pastor you can't say that you're on you're on the stage you have to be 
What I'm saying is, is that's not what I think about. I think about leaders. I, I think about helping people re- reach their potential in Christ. I don't think about people in need. I'm just not wired that way. That's not my first thought. But that's why God gave us someone who was. And when I uh, first took over as pastor, which is hard to believe, it, it's been five years. Some of you said, no, it's not hard to believe at all. But five years ago, uh, on uh, this Sunday, actually, uh, I took over. And when I first took over, I knew that this person was going to be hitting me up about doing outreach. And um, so the first thing I would say is, is how much is it going to cost? And she would begrudgingly, how many kids are we going to take this year at Christmas? And she would say, I want to take more than we did last year. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know how much. And, of course, it's an important question because we need to be financially responsible. But after a while, I realized that's part of the body of Christ. After a while, I realized that God had sent us people that are wired that way, people that that want to show people, others, the love of God and the love of people. And so that's why we do things like the back-to-school outreach. That's why we do things like the Christmas outreach. That's why we do things like a trunk or treat or, or something for the community. We do all of these things because we are fulfilling God's purpose for our church. The church shouldn't look like me. The church should look like you. God sends us people with gifts and passions. And as we develop the body of Christ, then it's our responsibility, it's my responsibility as ministers to equip you and to release you to do the ministry. You say, well, where do I find it? You're going to find your gifts and passions in your life experience. Using things that you're good at. We are coming up on the, the start of life groups. They start at the end of August. And uh, this is something that, that, that we push, um, and uh, we completely revamped the way that we did life groups right before COVID started. And so here we had this new system of how we were going to do things in semesters, and, and then we ended up doing life groups uh, over the Internet, which was really, it was okay, but it was really counterproductive because the idea of life groups is to get together and build relationships. And uh, relationships aren't built over social media. They're built together. So the end of August, we're starting life groups. And uh, to be honest, it's something as, as leadership that we have to get better at facilitating. The first thing that you need to know, and I told you this is going to be a pastoral message. If you're a guest, um, you pick the lucky Sunday. But the first thing you need to know about a life group is that it doesn't have to be a Bible study. I love Bible studies, but not every group has to be centered around one. Sometimes I think that, that we believe that every time Jesus was doing anything, that he was reading from the Torah, he was uh, discussing the Bible. I'm sure that there were plenty of times that Jesus went fishing with his life group. Now, I don't know why he went fishing. I would have picked something else to do. There were plenty of times that Jesus was out in the wilderness with his life group. 
What was he doing? He was just building relationships. He was interacting with people. Sometimes we just need to know that we need to find something that we're good at. Something that you have learned from your experiences in life. Something that you're passionate about. And use it as a ministry. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. He's saying take whatever you do, your eating, your sleeping, whatever you do in life, and give it to God. Use it as ministry. Something that you're passionate about. Uh, when I start thinking about life groups, uh, we have developed several around passions, around things that people like to do. Uh, we have one. Anybody, anybody disc golf? Anybody ever been disc golfing? Does anybody, does anybody know what disc golf is? All right, perfect. Uh, we have a guy that um, I picked on in first service. He probably snuck out. He's usually here both. Um, but we have a guy who started a, a, a group for disc golf. And he was in a tournament yesterday. And, um, but he's found people that, that like to, to go out and throw a Frisbee around. He even got me to do it once or twice. And then I realized that there's not a golf cart to ride. You actually had to walk doing this. And uh, so I, uh, I was out. I told him something about being too old. Or... There's people that, that like to cook. There's people who would like to know how to cook. Don't look at your spouse. There were some people that you wish they knew how to cook. Maybe it's running. Anybody likes to run? I had somebody tell me, uh, went out to, somebody needs to repent in the back row. My idea of running is how fast I can get to the supper table. Uh, I had somebody tell me that they, uh, they enjoyed running and that they were training for a marathon. And uh, you see, you've seen these marathon runners. I think it's like a 26 or something. They, if you ever see that on the back, that means that's somebody who's really healthy or really crazy. Uh, some people just put like a 13.1 or something. I think that's half a marathon. And um, I'm, I'm trying to find a sticker from back of mine that says 0.0. And that means no running. We have people who like to run. Whatever it is, uh, people who like to lift weights, find something that you enjoy and begin to bring people together. Because in that togetherness, in that relationship, ministry happens. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, there's nothing I really that I'm good at or I like to do. Well, if you can open a bag of Doritos and a two-liter of pop, you can have a life group. Because it's, people know that people will come for Doritos and pop, right? You tell somebody, hey, this is a... We had somebody wanting to start a life group called Buffet Buddies. <clears throat> and then COVID hit and, you know, uh, you got to put gloves on or... Um, uh, or they serve you, so, uh, but maybe Golden Corral is going to come back. 
and you guys can just have at it. But whatever it is, it's about getting people together because when that happens, ministry happens. When that happens, the things that God has placed in you, things that have happened in your life, you realize that they're for a purpose. They're to help reach people. People who need a place to belong. And our life groups start back at the end of August. And we're looking for people who, who want to be a minister. We're looking for people who, who want to start to serve in a ministry. Whether it's in greeting or kids' church or kids' church or kids' church or... Kids pastor gave me a little bit, 20 bucks to say that three times. But whatever that ministry is, we're looking for people who want to take what God has given them. Maybe God just gave you the gift of smiling. Perfect. We need people who will smile. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is merciful Father and is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given to us. Let me tell you what happens when you start looking at yourself as a minister. A lot of us discount ourselves because we look at our past and we say, Pastor, I, I was addicted to drugs. I can't minister. And to that I say, perfect. I hate that it happened. But there are people who are going through it now and they'd rather hear from you than from me. Pastor, I, I, I've been through a divorce. Perfect. I hate that it happened. But there are people who are going through that right now and they would rather hear from you than from me. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you have been through things in life and you can't disqualify yourself because of your resume. Your resume doesn't disqualify you, it qualifies you. I've used this saying often here lately. I didn't come up with it, but, but I'm going to use it. I wish I would have come up with it. But in your life, you have to declare this and you have to know this. There is a purpose in my pain. Those things that you have been through, they serve a purpose. You say, Pastor, what is today all about? Here's... It in a nutshell. We are coming into a season. Summer is coming to an end, whether we like it or not. Fall is a big time for people to start routines once again. And often that routine is people saying to themselves, I need to get back in church. I need to get back into a routine. I need to be in a place and so people in the fall, a lot of times in the fall, a lot of campaigns are, you know, back to church Sunday. You know, off the beach, back to church. Out of the, off the lake, back to church. Out of the woods, back to church. But people start looking for that. And let me be honest with you. If we're not prepared to minister to them, they will walk in the front door and they'll leave through the back door. In ministry that, and in leadership, that's something that, that, that every seminar you go to says you, you, you've got to learn to close the back door. It's easy to get people to come in, but it's harder to get people to connect. 
And the way that we get people to connect is that we have people here who are wanting to do ministry. People here who are saying, hey, come be part of this. Come be part of something that's bigger than yourself. You see, it's, we've bought into the thought that it's only the, the pastor's responsibility. It's only the, to do the ministry. But today I want you to understand that that's not the way it is. Today I want you to understand that you're a minister. You're a minister. You say, well, what do I need to do? I'm glad you ask. It really depends on where you are in your journey. As I look across this auditorium this morning, and uh, I, I see so many people who are new to Gateway. And uh, you've, you've been coming and trying to figure out if this is a place for you, and it's encouraging that you keep coming back. But I would say to you this morning, it's time to take the next step. You say, well, what is that next step? That next step is growth track. Just a little idea about that. Um, growth track is something that we have developed here that allows us an opportunity to share with you our vision, our mission, our model of ministry, the reason that we exist. It gives you an opportunity to help identify your specific gifts and, and your purpose. And then it gives you an opportunity to do ministry. And it's coming up on August 22nd, and you can sign up for that if you've never been through it. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you went through it a long time ago and, and you were never really still plugged in. I encourage you to, to go through it again. It's coming up on August 22nd, and, and, and we just want to take an opportunity to share with you our heart as a church. And you can sign up for that by going to thegate.life, clicking on Next Steps, and then clicking on Growth Track. And it's going to ask you, and it's going to walk you through signing up. And with that, what it's doing is it's giving you an opportunity to be part of something bigger than yourself. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and and you've been coming for a while, but you're still searching for your place. You're still searching for that reason or that purpose. And the reason that you're still searching is, is because you've never taken the next step to realize that you're a minister. We believe that no matter where you are, you always have a next step. But here's what it comes down to. How bad do you want to see lives changed? I'm just being gut level honest this morning. Because this is a question I have to ask myself all the time. What am I willing to do? What am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to, 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 to change in my life? What routine that I'm in now am I willing to adjust to do ministry? How bad do... You want to see this church become a place that gives life, that gives hope, that helps people find peace in the midst of their storm. If we're ever going to get to that point, it's not going to happen through me. It's not going to happen through Pastor Nick, Pastor Steve, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Aaron. It's going to happen through you. It's going to happen by you realizing you're a minister with a specific purpose at an opportune time 
to make an eternal difference. And if you can grab a hold of that, we can change this community. I don't know about you, but I have friends that they're part of the chaos, they're part of the darkness. I want to shine light into their life. But how bad do we want it? How bad do we want it? Just as we talked about two and three weeks ago, we have to want it as bad as the woman wanted to find the coin. We, had to, we have to want it as bad as the shepherd wanted to find the lost sheep. have to want it as bad as the father who was searching, watching for his son to come home. In those three parables, the person that was searching had to do something out of the ordinary. They had to do something to to change their routine. They had to do something that maybe the world even thought was foolish. But they did it. Why? Because they grasped the concept that they had a job to do. I'm a minister with a specific purpose at an opportune time to make an eternal difference. Can I ask you to stand right where you are? I know today has been different. Last week we had people around the altar and turning pages and crying out to God and it was such an awesome, awesome experience. But today is just equally as awesome because today we get the opportunity to take our next step. Whatever that looks like for you. I pray that today that the Holy Spirit has spoke something into your heart that says, listen, I'm not just here to be here. I'm not an accident. I talked to someone after first service who used to be involved in ministry, and they said, well, I, I used to be called to that. And I said, no, 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 no. He said, you're going to have to stay again. You're going to have to take class over. You're going to have to stay for second service. Because God's calling is without repentance. There may be something that God has placed in you. And you know it's there. But you've been running from it. Because it's hard. Because it's difficult. Because it's not easy. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to be a light? How bad do you want to make a difference? God wants to use you to change this community to show people that we love them and that God loves them. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pray and we're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit will confirm this word in our heart. If you need prayer, this altar is always open. I'll tell you that every Sunday. There's people that will pray with you There's people that will agree with you. But I'm not going to give a specific altar call, but you're definitely not out of order if you want to come and pray. 
So as I begin to pray, if you need prayer, you can come down. But I want the Holy Spirit to confirm this word in our heart. I'm a minister with a specific purpose at an opportune time to make an eternal difference. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I'm so thankful, honored, and privileged to be able to stand in front of this group of people. God, you have placed in this local body some of the most amazing people to do an amazing work. God, I pray that as we look to take our next step, God, that you have told us that steps of the righteous are ordered by you. God, as we begin to take our next step, may you confirm in our hearts, God, that you created us for a purpose and for a reason. God, I know that the enemy and the world will spend all of their effort and their energy trying to convince us otherwise, but God, we stand on your word today. God, for those that are here today that have been struggling with a sense of purpose, a sense of reason, God, I pray that you speak into their lives this morning. Father, I pray that as we, as individuals and as a church body, as we look, try to determine ways that we can make an eternal difference, God, will you help us? God, will you help us to be willing to give it all to you? Father, just as Jesus laid down His life, He gave it all for us. He sacrificed everything for us. God, in turn, may we be willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. God, whatever that may look like. Father, it may mean that we have to change some things in our life. God, we may have to rearrange some schedules. God, we may have to to carve out time to do ministry. But Father, I pray, God, that you will give us the desire to see lives changed and not to wait around on someone else to do it. Father, we know time is short. God, we know God, that it's urgent that we shine light into this dark world. God, anoint us. Let your light shine through us. In Jesus' name. Can we close in this course this morning? I surrender all. I surrender all all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender all and I surrender all surrender all all 
Make them just words. Make them your prayer. I surrender all. And I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I pray you go today with that being your prayer. And that's your statement. God, I surrender it all to you. God, I want to sacrifice to be a minister, to show people that you love them and that we care. Thank you for being here. If you're a guest, we, we don't take it lightly that you decided to join us this morning. We're so thankful for that. Uh, if, you, if I didn't get a chance to meet you, um, if you wait around, I promise I will come talk to you. And, uh, but we love you. Have a great, great Sunday. And we look forward to what God's going to do in your life and in the life of our church.